Let's get started. There we go. That's what I was trying to think of. Okay. Um, yeah, it's on. Let's open with prayer before we get started. Father, we, uh, we recognize, we acknowledge that we're in need this morning um, and that you have invited us to come to you <clears throat> for our needs, uh, to ask for help and mercy in time of need. So we, we ask you to help us understand um, what you put before us this morning and go before us as we uh, uh, listen to your word proclaimed, uh, sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, to you, and worship. Uh, please bless our time together. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, no, I'm, I'm kind of I'm changing my mind here. I'm going to relocate so I can see what you're seeing, see all the mistakes I've made. Um, we are uh, on the 13th chapter of Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand. Uh, it's titled Establishing Agenda and clarifying responsibility. And this is where we're at um, the last um, eight chapters of the book are, de- are, are dedicated to, um, let's see if I've got a slide on this. Um, but you can, see the, the, you can see the pattern there. Uh, two chapters on uh, a love two on know, two on speak, and then now two on do. Um, um, I thought I had a slide on that highlights the importance. These are four ways we function as God's instruments of change in another person's life, four aspects of personal ministry relationship. Love, know, speak, do. Uh, You've... You've stuck with us the whole way, and here you are on the next to the last chapter. Blake will have the last chapter next week. Uh, you will, if you look in the book, there's uh, there's a fairly extensive appendices, um, and um, so here let me. I need to write a note to myself. Sorry, just thought of something. What's that? Oh, okay. Okay, schedule change. Okay, sorry. Um, just wanted to check something later on about the, the book. Um, okay, so 
uh, we're starting two chapters on do, uh, which is just a shorthand for uh, helping the the person who's come to you for um, for help, helping them to do something with what they learn, to apply insights, knowledge, theology they've gained. <clears throat> and commitments they've made to the practical, specific realities of daily life. Uh, So here's where uh, you might say the rubber meets the road. um, And and we're going to be helping this person to take some action. Um, In fact, it's, I think, let's just kind of lay the, lay the groundwork here, let me read one of many passages that kind of urge this uh, focus where we're at right now. Uh, James 1, of course, uh, starting with verse 22. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. They're talking about me this morning. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, hearer who forgets, but a doer who, doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Okay? Now, uh, just the reading of that, there, it's a very rich, uh, a very rich passage. Um, what, what's the purpose of the contrast that he draws. Maybe I should ask first, what is the contrast that he draws in that passage? If you'd like, just uh, open it up and look. I didn't put it on a screen this morning. What's the contrast he draws? Right. Hearers only versus doers. Now, uh, in different parts of Scripture, uh, there's there's kind of distinctions made between hearing and listening, and uh, but th- this is not an unfamiliar theme. It's all over. It's all over the Old Testament, especially the prophets. Uh, in my daily reading, <clears throat> I'm in the prophets now, and it's all over the place. You know, it's like it's like you people, you people, you. Uh, here you mouth you mouth uh, words you worship uh, insincerely and you don't do what I command you. Uh, okay, so for James to bring this up is not new. It's not. Oh, we're supposed to do the word. Okay, do what we hear from God. Uh, and 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 really. Um, if you stop and think about what's in here, it's really a, a more stark contrast than 
than we, we think just kind of breezing through it. Uh, this part here, deceiving yourselves, but be hearers of the word, but be, I'm sorry, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Okay, now that, that deceiving yourself is used again all over the New Testament. Um, and, and it's like, <clears throat> it's, it's really the key thing, one of the key things that God has a problem with, with uh, especially unbelievers, but uh, here it's believers. Um, um, and and the, the, it says here, too, he looks at himself and goes away. He looks, he looks at what the, the word has reflected on his life. The, the word has reached out, put a finger on this or that. He looks at it. And he goes away and forgets. Now, we're going to look at that again later on in uh, 2 Peter 1. Okay, there's some forgetting going on there, too. Um, now, what, 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 would, what would be James's purpose for making this contrast, these two really polar extremes? What would be his... <clears throat> His purpose for doing that. Getting people not to rely on their theology or their knowledge solely as, as a basis for their faith. Okay. How about a basis for their life? Okay. Um, now, <clears throat> again, we're, we're going to look at this again later on, but um, I, I am a firm believer in the necessity of sound theology and revisiting and revisiting continually until the day you stop breathing sound theology, okay? Uh, and, and, and by that I mean as a, especially in this context, what we're talking about, especially as a, a moving force for, for the obedient Christian life and the faithful and faith-filled Christian life, okay? Those are the, the, the things that are in Scripture. What, what happens when you read Scripture is that God is, is engaging your imagination, your uh, uh, giving you a springboard for hope, and he's constantly telling you, look, look to these things that I'm telling you. Uh, Peter says, uh, uh, we, we look to the things, or, or I'm sorry, Paul in Colossians, look to the things that are seen, unseen, okay? Not the things that are seen, because he knows we have a tendency to, to look at the things around us first, and and not to the things that God has told us. Uh, so all over Scripture is this foundation of sound theology that we're supposed to get deep. We're supposed to, <laughs> to start to learn increasingly to think God's thoughts after him. Okay? James is saying that... that 
you can't say that you're doing that if, if there's not some result, some end result. And it may be in the way, in your desires, it may be in the way you think about things, it may be in what you say, it may be in what you do, your behaviors, okay? And again, this is on a scale. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're in a process, we'll talk about that later on too, we're in a process of growing in these things. It's not like, I mean, there are black and white things in, in, in uh, our salvation, but our sanctification is a process. Um, so, one, one, I believe that one reason why James brings out this sharp contrast, and we should see it as a sharp contrast, is to help us move from one pole to the other. And again, that's a kind of a lifelong process. Uh, this, this chapter broke, breaks down really into two, uh, two sections. Let's see if I've got that up next. Um, and I, I kind of dinked with his, his organization of the first part of the, the chapter uh, just to help me make sense of it. Um, so the first part is attitudes. I've called attitudes or conditions of heart on change, what hinders and what helps, okay? And then ingredients needed to encourage change, and that's, that's really kind of oriented toward... Uh, uh, at least for the most part, oriented toward what's needed by the counselor to, for him to consider uh, as he engages the person he's working with. Um, there will be a, a, a kind of a test case at the end of this that I'd like to work through together, so I'd like to set aside at least 10 minutes for that. Uh, I hope it'll be helpful. Um, so there's, those are the two sections. Uh, for the first one, um, attitudes or conditions of heart on change, what hinders and what helps. Um, I, I, I struggle to find a good word for that, what I've, I've called attitudes here, but it can be assumptions, attitudes, um, uh, even things, uh, I, I would add oversights, things that we, we come up to a situation and it's like something simply doesn't dawn on us that, that should. Okay, I think that's so important, what we forget to, to bring to the surface. Uh, so we'll be looking at some of those things. Um, uh, let's see. What else was I going to say on that? Uh, and and those, those, that list of things can be positive or negative, so I hope we'll see that here. Um, what hinders? He calls this, uh, this overall category of what hinders now-ism. Now, if you go, um, I, I was surprised about this. I googled now-ism, now-ism, and... Uh, now, when he, when he wrote this book, it may well have not have been, it may have been something he made up, I don't know. But now, <laughs> these days, so many years later, there's, there's uh, art movements called Nowism. 
There's marketing initiatives called Nowism. Can you imagine what that's about? You know, it's like how to give the, 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 the customer what they want right now. <laughs> you know, time to market things, that kind of thing. Uh, so it's, it's, it's more common now than I thought. Uh, but here, he's not saying that it's a good thing. He's saying it's a bad thing. Uh, so the component, uh, different aspects of this. When facing difficulties, and we all know this, it's easy to be captured by the, the problem that's right in front of you. That, that is, not only the, the person who has the problem, uh, they, they are captured by what's going on. They have to fix this right now and put out a fire, the fire. The counselor can get sucked into that. <laughs> Okay, uh, now there are things in, in different situations that really do need to be taken care of right away, you know, uh, uh, abuse in the home. There's something that has to be done right away, and then, and then you can work, work through uh, the, the, in the way that he outlines in his book. Uh, so I don't want to minimize that. I also don't want to minimize what's going on in a person who 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 is in the midst of difficulty. Uh, they're captured by this, and that's why they've come to you, and that's why they really needed to come to somebody, okay, uh, to help them get perspective, to get wisdom, to say, let's all step back and te- take a deep breath. I've got a team member who, in the midst of emails flying around all over the place and chats and everything, he says, let's all step back and take a deep breath. He was ignored last time that that happened. Okay, so um, there, there tends, because of that, there tends to be a focus on a quick fix solutions that go awry. Okay, there's the word. Uh, oh, she left. I asked, uh, I asked somebody to help me spell awry this morning. But anyway, you can see a quick fix solution that just focuses on that, that one thing instead of the broader themes of what's going on that we, I mean, you're familiar with it by now going through this book, uh, that they can go awry, okay? Uh, there's a temptation to view difficulties as God's inattention or unfaithfulness. The problem I'm in uh, can, can make me question God's goodness his faithfulness, his omnipotence. Uh, this and, and one more thing that I think it can cause us to question, which is a little more tricky, and I haven't really thought through this as much as I should have, but uh, we're promised that God enables us to deal with things. Okay, and there's all kinds of things that he supplied. We'll look at that in a moment, First Peter, Second Peter 1. Okay, uh, all things uh, necessary for godliness and life. Okay, um, but our capacity to to do that, our actual skill in doing those things, is another aspect of sanctification. It's a growing thing. So a person can be in a situation that they're they're responsible for, but they have no clue what to do about. I mean, it seems like where I spend 90% of my time, you know, okay? Uh, So, um, 
So it causes us to question God's, God himself. Sin produces a tendency toward nowism. We forget who we are, what God is doing, and what he calls us to. Okay? Second um, Peter 1 9. He, he, he's, in fact, let me turn to that. Um, starting at verse 3, his divine power has granted us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. Now, just stopping there for a moment, you can see some of the things he's granted to us is listed right here, you know, having escaped from the corruption, okay? Uh, And then he goes on. He lists all these virtues and says, for this very reason, for the reason you've been granted these these things and what what uh, Tripp calls it is enablement, uh, uh, make every effort to, to, to pursue these virtues, okay? And now, verse 9, for whoever, uh, well, verse 8, for, the, for these qualities are yours, and if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Now, I hope... (laughs) Maybe that's too strong. I don't mean to say that. If a person is... Has, has been in their life caught in a sin. I hope that you have this experience of coming awake, realizing what you've forgotten. Okay? First of all, cleansing from your sin. Second of all, uh, all these things that God has enabled and granted. Okay? Uh, may we all have that awakening. Um, Short-sightedness is another uh, a, a, um, uh, attitude or uh, oversight, I would call it. Uh, self-absorption. Um, in, in the midst of a situation like a, a, a problem... You're, again, your focus is on the problem, and it's on yourself. That's what, that's what the tendency is, anyway. Okay. And that somehow, by, by some means, eventually has to be overcome. So, self-absorption. Um, I'll see. And then, conf- I, I tack this on, not quite knowing where to put it. Uh, confusing growth in knowledge and insight with genuine life change, and so stopping short of a real change. Now, that, that if you think about it for a moment, that's just a restatement of James 1, uh, tw- was 22 to 24 or so. Okay, That's just a restatement of that. 
uh, he, he trots out the example of his years of experience with seminary students and how, how many of them are really good at, at, at uh, uh, expressing the, the faith once and for all, for all delivered and yet are um, uh, so deficient in actual life change and the maturity, maturing process. Uh, he, he ends his little list by saying, these are some men who are months away from having to care uh, as a pastor for people, and they don't even know how to love people. Okay, Now, that's not, I'm sure, I mean, he, he didn't mean that to mean all of them, but uh, he, he said he's dealt with a number of men like that. Uh, but we're all in the same boat. Okay, now, um, and, and by the way, uh, if you have a question, just go ahead and jump in. Uh, feel free to do that. What helps in the long view? Uh, uh, what helps in change? What he calls, he, he summarizes this section as long view living. Uh, he also says, living now with then in view. Okay, so he wants to, he wants the, the, the person who's having the issue to stop, take a deep breath, and look toward the things that God is pointing him to. Um, today is preparation for tomorrow, and tomorrow is preparation for something yet to come. Uh, the eschaton, if you will. He, he calls this living le- life eschatologically. I would say also, uh, not to use another big word unnecessarily, but teleologically, that is with the, the ends and the purposes in view. Okay? Um, and, okay, so, some things. One is uh, the end is the end of all things will be you and I for eternity experiencing Christ-likeness. We'll experience it in ourself. We'll experience it in one another. Okay? Uh, First John, first John um, 3, 23... I have a lot of favorite verses. Uh, this is one, um, two, and three. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Okay? And and that is and that is the 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 starting point for eternity. Okay? Um, another one is life as betrothal to Christ. Uh, that's he uses that that's kind of his key his key verse, uh 2 Corinthians eleven one to three, uh, where where Paul says 
of the, the Corinthians that he's uh, writing to, I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betroth you, to, betroth you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And you remember earlier, early in this book, he talked about the voice that we listen to. You know, uh, up until Satan came on the scene, Adam and Eve listened to the voice of God for wisdom, uh, insight, direction, etc. Explanation of everything. When Satan came on the scene, they listened to a different voice. Okay, And it was all downhill from there. Um, and here he's saying, we're betrothed to one husband. If you want a, a kind of a more forceful uh, uh, explanation of that, you can look at Hosea 2, uh, 19 to 20. Uh, and of course, this theme is, is echoed in uh, Ephesians 5, where marriage is a picture. One of the things marriage is, is a picture for Christ and his church. Okay, And we find it again at the end in uh, Revelation 19 and 20, okay, the bride of Christ. Life as a, a, a child, I should say, okay, to be correct here, life as a child of God or a son of God. Uh, and and I, I picked this passage, Hebrews uh, 12, 5 to 11. I won't read the whole thing. But, but the, the writer of Hebrews says, Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Okay, it's for discipline that you have to endure. God's treating you as his sons. Okay, and so um, God allows things in our lives that test us, and and one of the results is that it causes us to flee to Him. Okay, for um, for mercy and for help, both both things. Okay, so. He's trying to teach us, and he's got a wonderful list. I, I won't read it, but he's got a wonderful list about what God's teaching us. He's constantly teaching us. Okay? And this is one thing, to flee to him. And he's a good God. He goes on to say that he's a good God. Um, the moment, for the moment, discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. It's true, isn't it? Uh, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Okay? That's, that's God's purpose. We, he wants us to share in his holiness. Now, we've already seen that in 1 John uh, 3, right? Uh, a focus on God's goal, our holiness. Uh, 1 Peter... Um, 
1, 14 to 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And by the way, passions uh, often in the New Testament is used as those, those things that grab us in the moment, that, that, that propels us to, to uh, some kind of instant gratification in the moment, okay, without thought for the future. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. From Leviticus 11, I think it is. Okay. Um, what's another thing that's helpful is a certain attitude towards suffering. First uh, Peter six and seven. Now again, this is another thing that's all over the New Testament. Romans eight, eighteen to thirty nine. James one, two to four. They all contribute things that are beautiful, especially Romans eight. That are, are really beautiful pictures of God's sovereignty over our lives now, moving us to to what's yet to come. In this, you, in First Peter one six to seven, in this you rejoice, you know all the all of what's to come, though, and all of our, uh, we also rejoice in the the state of our Christian life now, that God owns us, has give, uh, protected us, and given us all good things. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary. You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, you, again, you can see this movement from the now to the future. He's, 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 uh, you're grieved by various trials for this little bit of time, Seventy years, <laughs> okay, maybe, uh, in order that uh, it may be found, your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. Our faith is going to be fulfilled. Uh, we're headed toward that. Okay, life as training. Again, here's, here's one of my favorite verses, Titus 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. There's that word passions again. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Okay, that's, that's what we're doing here now. But we're also doing one more thing. We're waiting... Uh, for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? So we're, we're uh, renouncing ungodliness and worldly passions, living self-controlled, upright, and godly lives and li- in the present age, and living a waiting life. Okay? So you see, he puts both of those things together, kind of the active and the passive, in a way. Uh, 
uh, and, then, and then Christ's goal for you, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now, I, I take that to mean that, that the zeal for good works and, the, and the, the action of good works starts now. It grows through this lifetime. And I don't see a terminus point for that. I, I, I think, in some respect, it's going to go on through eternity. Even if it's simply uh, magnifying God in his presence. Okay, another thing is trust. Uh, again, this was a thing I threw in there that I felt needed to be said, but I'm not sure it quite fits in this category, but trust that God enables us to do what he calls us to. And I've already read the passage, 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4. That's an important thing, um, to, to depend on God for that. And this is a, on my wall. I, I, I've got several things pasted from... from uh, renowned theologians, uh, Luther, Augustine. You'll even find things on my wall from the theologians uh, Cameron Way, Carly Wing, and Kelsey Baker, okay? (laughs) So things that I thought captured something important. But here's Luther. This life, therefore, is not righteousness, the attaining of perfected righteousness, but growth in righteousness. Now, that, that I'm not meaning to say we don't have the righteousness, the complete and perfect righteousness of Christ. It's the 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 experience of righteousness in our lives. Um, but growth in righteousness, not health as a end point, but healing, not be being, but becoming. Okay, and again, I mean. There is a certain sense in which we focus on who we are and will be for all eternity. But there's another sense in our life of sanctification that we're becoming. Not rest, but exercise. We are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. The process is not yet finished but it is going on. This is not the end, but it is the road. All does not yet gleam in glory, but all is being purified. And just reading back through that, I hear an echo of of that in something that um, uh, one of the, uh, what is his name, that wrote, oh gosh, Lost my left left my mind, but I hear an echo of that in another famous uh, Christian pastor. Okay, now um, the second part of the book of the chapter: ingredients needed to encourage change. Uh, four objectives: establish your person, and, and these are largely things. The first two are largely things that 
I'm sorry, the first one is largely a thing for the counselor to consider as he goes in to help. Establish your personal ministry agenda. Uh, clarify responsibility with the person. Instill in identity in Christ with the person and then provide accountability with the person. Um, these last two will be covered in two weeks, I guess it is, right? Uh, but we're going to try to cover these two in a hurry here. Um, <clears throat> so objective one, and, and again, if you, <laughs> um, there might have been a time in Christian circles when it was popular to use words like this, but we kind of balk at the word agenda these days, especially when it's somebody else's agenda for us. <laughs> uh, but I always get nervous when a, a meeting opens and there's no agenda, so I'm thankful for that. Um, it's, it's simply a plan for accomplishing a goal, uh, a map that shows us our destination, in this case, what changes need to be made, what, what does God call, uh, what, what are God's goals for change, and how to get there. And, and it kind of answers the question, what specific changes is God calling this person to make in this situation? Okay. I don't know why I'm pointing this at the screen as if that's where the signal's going. Um, three agenda-setting questions. Uh, what does the Bible say about the information that's been gathered? We've been through sections that had to do with information gathering, okay, asking questions. What are God's goals for change for this person? What are some biblical methods for accomplishing God's goal of change? Uh, and these are questions the counselor asks himself. In a moment, we'll go through... An, an example of these and work through it together. Um, the first question, uh, what does the Bible say about what, uh, what's been, uh, the information that's been gathered? This is not proof texting. This is looking at, th this is drawing on biblical wisdom, biblical understanding, uh, what are the themes, the principles, the perspectives of Scripture that address this situation? Uh, an example would be um, uh, that uh, that's slowly starting to dawn on me. I don't know why it hasn't really clearly before, but uh, a, a, a marriage is has a lot of uh, purposes, I think, from God's perspective. But overall, there's there's a seems to be a fairly clear indication in Scripture that it's pointing toward something else. It's pointing toward Christ and His Church. Okay, so that gives us a high view of marriage. For one thing, is my view of marriage high enough? Uh, my marriage, this marriage that has issues. Okay. Um, what has God taught, promised, commanded, warned, done that addresses this situation? And I would add 
what, is, what, what reflection of God's character uh, speaks into this situation? Uh, calling back First uh, Peter 1, um, what was it, 13 and 14, you shall be holy for I am holy. And that's holy in all your conduct. So God clearly thinks that there are aspects of his character that should be reflected in our lives. Okay? And of course, that's like, like saying, uh, you know, there's, there's an, an ant down here and then there's the, the moon up there. How am I, how am I going to get there? Um, but, but that's what God calls us to and he, he enables it and he, us to do it and he works in us for that. Um, uh, the demands that are put on the, the counselor by this uh, are, first of all, humility, both spiritually and, and theologically. We haven't arrived. We're, we're still, uh, well, the second point, we have a continuing lifestyle of digging deeper into Scripture. Okay. Uh, Colossians 3 says, uh, um, sorry, let me just read it. Um, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, okay, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Okay, in one way, then, it goes on to say that is singing and uh, in, in our worship together, but I don't think that's all that it means. Um, dependence on the Spirit as our teacher as we look into Scripture and we think about this person's life. Um, and then, of course, thankfulness. Uh, this protects our ministry, or it can help to protect our ministry, from personal bias, unbiblical thinking, and especially a crisis-driven reaction to what's going on, okay? Uh, kind of serves as, as anchors, anchors within the veil, if you would, okay? Uh, second question, what are God's goals for changing this person in this situation? Uh, this question applies to God's call to put off and put on, put off these things, uh, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Uh, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Okay, he wants us to put off things. As Christians, we're active in putting off. Colossians 3 reflects this also. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2, that's also a passage that's like this. And to put on the new self, another reflection of um, Colossians 3. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Uh, when I started this long ago, when we started this, I, I had just, we had just finished Genesis 
study in men's Bible study. And, and what I said there was that God has this vision for our, our maturity, our completeness, our perfection, and he's moving us toward that. Okay? He hasn't lost, lost sight of that, that vision of our wholeness. Um, and so here it's expressed as the new self, the new man, the new person. Okay. Um, wh- uh, what does God want them to think, desire, and do? And I, uh, those should be included because we know out of the heart comes all kinds of things. Okay, So we want to address the heart. So we want to address think and desire, and we want to address the do as well, the, the, con, the outward conduct. Uh, it takes general commands, themes, perspectives, principles of Scripture, and fashions specific biblical goals for this person in this situation. Uh, it, it marks out our destination, God's goals. Um, now, you know, realizing when we do that, we can make mistakes about interpretation and all kinds of things. Um, but we're going into this with prayer and with uh, the idea of asking God for to show us what's going on. Three, what are some biblical methods for accomplishing God's goals for change? The goals that we've developed, uh, listed are then used to address the what, how, when, where of change that fits the context in which this person lives and works. Uh, how is he going to do this? Uh, he gives the example of the... <laughs> let's see, how, how was it? He, he, the husband who, who has failed to honor his wife as he should. And one method would be to send the husband off to make all kinds of flattering uh, uh, half-truths <laughs> to his wife, okay? Well, we know that's not the, that's not the solution. There's got to be a better solution to that. Uh, so uh, that's the example he gives. How should this person put off what needs to be put off and put on what needs to be put on? What steps of obedience is God calling him to? Okay, here's the situation. Let's, uh, let's, I've got more, but we're going to try to spend, I think, our, our time on this. Um, this situation, uh, I've tried to make a, a simple, simple, pared down, no frills uh, uh, example. He's got a longer one. But here's one. Fred has come to you for help, saying that he doesn't know what to do with his son, Jack, and that he feels like giving up. Now listen carefully to these things as I'm going through it. Okay? Fred describes the relationship with his son as one of smoldering silence with occasional angry flare-ups on the part of one or the other. He says that the tensions are over Jack doing his household chores inconsistently and half-heartedly. That's whose perspective? Fred. Okay, the dad. 
Okay, in the most recent incident involving gathering the trash from containers in the house, Jack yelled, well, why don't you just do it yourself then? And he stalks out. You ask Fred, what was the last thing you said to Jack? Oh. Uh, Yeah, forgive the foo-paw there. Uh, Before he yelled at you. Remember, you're asking questions to get what happened. Tell me what happened. Fred answered, uh, uh, why can't you do it the way I showed you? Okay? And then he explains. He says that he had taken Jack around the house, showing him the most efficient path to take and how to tie up each bag so that it didn't spill. Now, if you think that's somewhere in Nana land, I mean, you, you haven't followed an engineer around uh, who, who is who has figured everything out right down to the end, okay? Uh, He's bringing his engineering home. My wife would say, you can follow me around the house and find out the same thing. And Fred had previously, I mean, that's not the worst of it. Fred had previously told him that when he didn't do it the way he showed him, Jack was disobeying him. Okay, now, let's think together here. What does the Bible say? What did I do here? What does the Bible say? <laughs> I gave you a preview there. Sorry. What does the Bible say to this situation and to this person? Let's think about Fred. Let's, I mean, the son's got probably things to deal with, but what about Fred? How, what does the Bible say to Fred? You think of some verses? Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, there's probably a lot of things. There's probably a lot of things in Proverbs on this, including, I suspect, that one, too. Um, uh, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, Ephesians 6, 4. Uh, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is all the ESV. And Colossians 3, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Two, two outcomes, negative outcomes. You could see both of them, I think, in some situations. Okay? Now, the, old, uh, the, the older translations uh, use uh, exasperate, I think, is one. Uh, and down, down at the end of verse 4, the nurture and, and uh, admonition of the Lord, okay? Uh, Other words you can think of is demeaning language, taunting. Uh, Maybe you haven't experienced this with your father. Maybe you haven't haven't seen it, but I think it happens. I've seen it happen. Uh, Okay, so that's some things that the Bible says. What are God's goals for Fred? Uh, let's see here. Okay, so, so what's, what's God's goals for Fred in this situation? What, what floats to the top is the one or two biggest things that Fred should deal with. Has he been violating 
the Ephesians, the Colossians pl- passage. Has he? He needs to go back and think about the grace that he's been shown from Christ for the things that he's failed to do and maybe yeah. be a little bit lighter. Okay, so I'm going to take two things there. One is uh, uh, identify with his son, at least intellectually, uh, emotionally. Um, um, and what was the last thing you said? Deal, deal more lightly. Should he deal differently with him? Should he put different expectations on him? Well, the my way is a highway. It seems a little stark. Right, yeah. Um, consider, consider for a moment the strength of the Ephesians and Colossians passage. And, and tell me that that doesn't require some genuine repentance on the on his part, okay? Now, this was an extreme situation, but it happens. People, fathers come to people in, in, in crisis over their sons. Um, to move, he wants him to move from provocative, overbearing parenting to bringing up his son in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And let's just think about, uh, now, I don't have it in front of you here, but he... Uh, He said, why can't you do it the way I showed you? The why can't you, that's kind of a demeaning thing. Are you too dumb to do this? Are you, what, what's the problem with you <laughs> that you can't do this? The way I showed you. Um, he was overbearing. He, he, uh, his expectations were uh, out, out in the, Um, out in the jungle somewhere, he, he, want, he wanted him to do exactly the way he showed him to do it, which he thought was the very best way to do it and the only way to do it, okay? Okay, so, so his expectations need to be dialed down a bit, but not eliminated, okay? You don't want, you want, what do you want in this case? What, what, is, what, is, what do we want from Jack in this case? the sun. Take the trash out, okay? We want to do it consistently, regularly, okay? And, and as long as it's done, what? We're, we're happy about it. We're happy that he's doing it, okay? Now, this is bringing back all kinds of memories about <laughs> how I raised my kids. Arg. Okay, so um, what what should okay the third thing? Um, what are biblical methods? What what should Jack do? And we kind of need to hurry here, but think about it. What should Jack do? I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, Jack's. Uh... I'm sorry. Uh, Fred is the father. What should I, I made a mistake there? What should Fred do? The father. Do what should he do? Yeah, right. Um, is is the expectations that he had on him, uh, parenting him in the nurture by nurture and admonition, uh, in in the Lord, by in the instruction of the Lord? Well, no, it's not. It's some kind of engineering uh, 
um, dream that he, okay, so he needs to uh, dial that down. Um, um, let, me, let me just go through some of these things. Uh, he, he, confession is important. Re- repentance and confession is important. And uh, asking Jack's forgiveness and then dial back what he's required what what he's required of Jack how should he do it one is to to take the initiative be not wait for this to happen again i mean i i've experienced that again I'll, well i'll take care of it the next time it happens no that's not the time to do it it's okay there's been some space go take the initiative seek seek him out confess with no qualifications don't 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 make excuses. Tell him, okay, and this is the dialing down. Tell him all he has to do is to get the trash picked up every Thursday in his own way, in his own time. At the end of the day, it's picked up. Everything's cool, okay? And you may negotiate about the day of the week. Mom needs it done this, this day. Can you do it that day? Uh, when and where, I kind of stalled out on this one, uh, but... As soon as possible, you don't let this linger. Give it some space, but don't don't let it linger. Uh, and, and do it privately. <clears throat> privately, that is not at school, not at Jack's work place of work, not out on the 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 uh, football field where he's practicing. Do it in your home. Maybe your wife is there. Maybe your other kids are there, but do it privately. Okay, now I had a lot more. There's more to this book. Um, uh, Clarifying responsibility is important. We tend to take on things that are God's responsibilities and shirk things that are our responsibilities. Um, And he had an exercise for taking the person through figuring that out. And what balances out our responsibilities? Uh, Active, obedient, trust it's trust which you think of as a passive thing but it's active and obedient trust james a long time ago more than once i think uh, brought before us put before us something that's in at the end of this uh, chapter and it's this holding on to god's grace and glory is the only way to deal with the disappointment and loss that is so much a part of life. Okay? You can hear that echoed through what we've just been talking about. Um, you got disappointment and loss that's overwhelming us. We've got to hold on to God's grace and his glory. Okay? We're five minutes over. Sorry about that teachers back there. Word dismissed.